Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and this is our podcast. Welcome to part two of our series called Selfie, where we look at the life of Jacob and the image that he tried to portray through his selfie. We say thank you to all of our veterans this morning. All right, so we are continuing on. It's a second week in our series called Selfie. And if you were here last week, we began to explore the life of this dude named Jacob. And through Jacob's life, we found the main point in our series. And our main point is this. We, are, uh, we need to let go of who we think we are so that we can be who God created us to be. And the reason for that is quite simple. It's because God can only bless who we really are. He cannot bless who we pretend to be. So we need to let go of that selfie, of that image that we have, that we want everyone else to see, that we want everyone else to believe we are. That image is something that we portray, a person that we want everyone else to think we are. That's what Jacob did. He was living a selfie life. There was an image that he wanted, a person that he desired to be other than Jacob, and the pursuit of that cost him everything. It wasn't until he got what he wanted that he realized he didn't actually want what he got. He gave up that selfie and finally admitted he was Jacob, a trickster, and it was in that admission that God was able to bless him. And so all of that last week was found when uh, Jacob stole Esau's blessing. Well, we mentioned another event last week, and it's when Jacob stole, or Jacob bought Esau's birthright. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And so that's in the book of Genesis. Uh, Genesis is the first book in your Bible. And if you'd like to turn to Genesis chapter 25, uh, that's where we're going to be at this morning. And uh, the, the idea for today is this. If we live a life where we are driven, where we are driven by our impulses, We are going to live a very self-focused life because our impulses are always centered on us. And we all understand being driven by our impulses, right? I mean, we've all done things that we've just done impulsively in the minute and said to ourselves, bruh, I wish I hadn't done that. I mean, literally, we, uh, this week I saw, and this plays out, I'm sure you guys see this every single day, but as I was taking Aaron home from school, driving down 60, and we're, we're, they, they were doing road construction, they were paving one of the, the two lanes, they were paving the right lane, and so what they had was the right lane closed, and they had everyone move over into the left lane. Well, uh, we're driving along, and I look ahead of us, and there's two cars ahead of us, and the one vehicle is like literally on the guy's bumper. I mean, at 50 miles an hour, there was not much space to go in between there. And he rode him that way. I don't know what happened to cause him to ride the guy like that, but he was riding him. And as soon as it opened up into two lanes, that guy moved over into the right lane and he hit it. Well, guess what the guy in the left lane did? He stepped on it too, right? And so you got these two cars drag racing down 60, just trying to go as fast as they can. Well, the guy in the right lane, his car was a little bit faster And so as he pulls up alongside of the other car, he puts his hand out the window and gives the your number one sign to the guy as he's driving past, right? And then he barely clears the guy's bumper, cuts over in front of him, and hits his brakes. Praise Jesus. That's what everybody loves to do in that situation, right? And we don't know what, so so the guy that was riding the other guys, or the guy who had been, uh, had somebody on his bumper, was now on somebody's bumper, 
And they were sitting there, they were going back and forth on this road. And finally, one of them turned off, and, and it ended this conflict without anyone else. But we've all been in positions like that, where we've been driving or doing something, and our impulses suddenly take control of us, and we do something we wouldn't normally do. I mean, that's why I really, when you look at my vehicles, if you ever give me a Christian sticker or a fam church thing to put on my car, I'm not going to do it. You know why? Because I don't want to do something stupid on the road and have them go, oh, yeah, that's freaking Bam, church punks, what's their problem? And so, so I do not put anything, any stickers on my vehicle whatsoever. All right, well, in this event that we are looking at today, I think most of you are going to say to yourself, this is really silly. Because every time I read this, I say to myself, this is so dumb. And I got to tell you, part of the reason I find it so dumb is because Stu is involved in this event and I hate stew. All right, I absolutely hate stew. So don't come up to me after church and say, listen, you haven't tried my stew yet. Let me hook you up with some of my stew and you will love it. No, I won't. You want to know why? Because I hate gravy. Sausage gravy, brown gravy, turkey gravy, gravy, gra- any gravy. I hate it. I just hate the taste of it. I don't know why, but I just cannot stand gravy. And basically all stew is is meat, potatoes, and carrots in gravy. And that's gross. But what makes this story even worse is that this isn't a bowl of beef stew. This is a bowl of lentil stew. Do you know what lentil is? It's a bean. There was no beef in this. There was no chicken in it. It's a lentil stew. And so it makes me go, Jacob, there's not even any, or Esau, there's not even any meat in there. I mean, why are you wanting to eat this? And so let's read our text this morning, Genesis chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 24 through 34. And uh, if you weren't able to locate it, it's going to be on the screen behind me for you to follow along. And this is what it says. It says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. Anybody ever had a child like that before? Uh, Any of our mothers say, my child was like a hairy garment when it came out. Okay. So, Michelle has given birth to a Chewbacca baby. Is that what you're saying? Okay. (laughs) Okay. After this, okay, uh, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hands grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Any 60-year-olds want to be having babies in the room? Okay. (laughs) Um, The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. Well, Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he's also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore on an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. All right, so we got our two brothers here. One of them became a hunter and the other stayed at home among the tents. And because of what they were involved in in their lives, they got really good at things. 
And so Esau got really good at hunting, and Jacob got really good at cooking. And because of these skills that they developed, the parents decided to pick favorites amongst the children. Isaac really liked that fresh game, and Isaac probably liked to hunt because he probably was the one who taught Esau how to hunt. And so Isaac, because he liked the fresh game and he had this son that liked to hunt, he loved, he loved Esau more. Then the mom, and, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and this will sound terrible, but the mom was probably looking for a daughter that she could train in how to take care of the house and, and, and cook the food and all of that stuff. And she only had twin boys, so what was she to do? Well, she, she takes Jacob and she teaches Jacob how to cook and clean and sew and all of those things. And because Jacob liked to do what mom liked to do, Jacob was mom's favorite and, and uh, Rebecca loved Jacob more than Esau. And this is where our problems occur. They were able to train their favorite child in the skill that they were passionate about, but they missed one sort of training that they should have done with their child, and that was they should have trained their child first and foremost how to control their appetites, passions, and desires. You see, their family training was very self-centered. All Rebecca and Isaac cared about was making sure that the boy that they loved most was trained in the skills that they loved most. They were meeting a need that the parent had to live their life through their child, but they did not train them on the more important things of self-control and controlling their appetites. And so, in a little side question for this, a couple of side questions is that, first thing is this, parents, are you trying to live your life through your child? Are you trying to develop gifts and talents in them because you want your child to be that person? You've got this selfie image in your head of what the perfect child is supposed to look like and so you spend your time self-centeredly trying to form that child into this image that you have in your head. Because you want them to become that image. See, too many parents today are pursuing the image of a perfect child. It's a wrong pursuit and it's a bad dream because it is totally self-centered and self-focused. Why? Because we want people to look at us and look at our kids and go, man, they must be amazing people. Why? Because they've raised such amazing children. That is something, parents, we should not be chasing after. Because it's an image that we are trying to go after, and an image is never going to be blessed by God. The second question is this. Are you teaching your kids to control their appetites? Because we're raising a generation now that feels like they do not have to wait for anything. What they want, when they want it, and how they want it, they get it right now. And too many parents believe that giving their child what they want, when they want it, and how they want it is good for their child. It is not good for your child. You're developing something in your child where they're going to have this appetite, where they're going to have this desire, and they feel like if they have it, it needs to be met. And we all know that we all have appetites and desires that we should not be meeting in our life because it's very destructive. So Esau, he comes in from the open country famished. He's been out hunting all day long and he's gotten nothing. No deer, fish, camels, nothing. It's work to hunt and so I'm sure this work drained his little tummy and he, he walks in the door and he smells 
this lentil stew cooking in the kitchen. I don't know how lentil stew smells, but I don't picture a good smell. Have any of you ever been so hungry that it doesn't matter what's cooking, when you walk in the door, it smells amazing? You're like, oh my gosh, what are you cooking? Well, I'm actually uh, doing some laundry on the, you know? It's like, it just smells so good because we're so hungry. He is so hungry and he smells this wonderful smell and he's just like, I need that and I need this now. So he asks Jacob for some stew. Of course, Jacob, being a smart businessman, says to him what? He says, well, all right, you can have some of my stew, but there's a price for the stew. That price is your birthright. And we kind of alluded to this last week, but what we got to understand is what Jacob was asking for. Because in that day and time, it was a blessing to be firstborn. It's not like that now. I'll be honest with you. I found it as a curse on my life because I was the firstborn. Why was it a curse? Well, it's quite simple, okay? So like when I was a teenager, I had to be in by midnight. My friends could all stay out later. My mom didn't care. She always told me nothing good ever happens at midnight. Mom, if you're watching on the video, I still am struggling with this one, all right? When it came to, when I turned 18 and I needed a vehicle to, to drive to college and to get to work and those sort of things, my parents were nice enough to co-sign on a car loan for me. Let's fast forward now four kids to my brother Steve. Steve becomes a teenager and he no longer has a curfew. As a matter of fact, Steve usually leaves the house after midnight on a Friday night, okay? He needed a car, and so my mom and dad just went and bought him a car. There was no, I know, exactly. I'm glad you feel my pain and suffering, because it was terrible. And so, but in this time, it was a little bit different. What happened was the firstborn got something called a double portion. And what that meant is whatever was their inheritance, they got a double portion of what other, all the other boys got. So if the, there was two kids in the household, um, one child would get 66 and a sixth percent of the, the inheritance, and the other child, other boy would get 33 and a third. If there was three kids, you know, one would get 50% and two would get 25%. And so it was like a double portion, a double blessing that you got. Now, you notice I didn't say girls, and that's because girls, you didn't get any of the inheritance back then. Just so you knew that, know that, okay? And so here's what Jacob was doing. He was asking for a whole lot of money because his father had a whole lot of money. But yet Esau gives into this. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, come on, really? Why, one, would you ask for all that money for this boy? I mean, I guess if you're just shooting for it, because what could, what could he say? No, right? So you just shoot for the moon there. It seems that, 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 that that's what Jacob does. And, and, and Esau, it just blows my brain that he would give him that sort of stuff for a bowl of stew. It makes no sense, and it seems really silly. Now, what we see in Esau here, though, is we see kind of who Esau is as a person. He's really kind of a, a drama queen. Um, you know, when he, his brother asks for his blessing, his response, or his, yeah, when his brother asks for his, 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 his blessing, um, 
He goes into this drama queen sort of thing, you know? He's like, I am about to die. You know, that's his response to his brother. He just hasn't eaten a meal and he's ready to die. Any of you are like that? When you miss a meal, you're ready to die. Can I give you a tip? You can go like 40 days without food and not die. Just hot tip. Um, But he says, well, you know, I'm about to die anyway. What good is this inheritance? And it's something that, you know, drama is something that we see people pull out all the time. As I said, maybe you're one of the drama guys or drama girls. You're ready to die if you haven't eaten for an hour. You have a headache. Your body is shaking. You can barely walk. You make a big scene about it. And you tell your friends, look, I either need to go to the hospital or maybe McDonald's. One of the two but I got to do one. But we know people like that, and you can't tell me that there wasn't something to eat in that kitchen, okay? He could have gone in and made himself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't know if they had that back then, but he could have gone and made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Heck, just grab a couple of slices of bread and eat that. I don't know. But Esau decides not to do that, and he tells his brother he'll swear on an oath to sell him his birthright for a bowl of stew. And this may be the most expensive meal in the history of the world. And the question becomes, why did he do it? I mean, what would inspire anyone to give up a whole lot of cash for some bread, stew, and a drink? Because it doesn't make sense. Here's the deal. We have to understand that we do this all the time in our walk with Jesus See, we trade the inheritance that Jesus has given us for a bowl of stew. We trade the the inheritance that we have waiting for us for something immediate that will satisfy ourselves that we want now and so we're willing to give up. We have a desire that comes up so we want to fulfill that desire. We want to do what we want to do and so we just go for it. We decide that we want the bowl of stew so bad that we're willing to trash our lives to have that desire met. You know, we chase after things regardless of their cost. We decide that we're going to exchange our inheritance for things that really don't matter. You know, the person who sees, got all the fun, the, the fun life that everyone else is living, their friends spending the weekend going from club to club and guy to guy or girl to girl, and they look at their life and following Jesus and they say, man, it's just so boring. I need to get in on that. And they trade their inheritance for a bowl of stew that's going to leave them broke and empty. Because I want you to think about this. When Esau got done eating the stew, what did he do? It says in the text, he got up and left. You just paid millions of dollars for a bowl of stew. My hope would be, the response would be, oh my goodness, this is the best stew I've ever eaten. Thank you so much, Jacob, for selling this to me. Holy cow, I'll never have another bowl of stew like that again. But what does he do? Esau just gets up and walks away without a response. Why? Because that really didn't satisfy him. See, eating the bowl of stew is going to leave us unsatisfied just like it left Esau in our text. But yet, as I said, we continue to make that trade every single day. And so we really have to examine our lives and see the areas in our life that we are 
trading our inheritance for a bowl of stew in them. All of us have different areas, and some of you are probably even sitting there saying to yourselves, well, I can't see those areas in my life. Because what's happened to us in the American church, and I've said this before, but what we do is we take and we categorize all of the sins, and we have the big few sins that are really bad that we shouldn't be doing, and we look at our lives and we say to ourselves, okay, I'm not doing those really bad sins, but we fail to look at all of the other areas of our life, and in too many of those areas, we are falling short. Too many, church, too many people in the church in America are chasing after this American dream. We're chasing after money, we're chasing after uh, stuff, we're chasing after experiences, we're chasing after all of these things, but those things are just like a bowl of stew. Because they're ultimately never going to leave us fulfilled, satisfied, and happy. Because God has a deeper calling on those who follow him than to live out some sort of dream, to live out some sort of ideal life. Our perspective on this world should be we are living for the next life. We are not living for here, but too many believers are living for the here and now and forgetting about what's going to happen in the eternity beyond what we've got here. We can't live there. We can't exchange that inheritance. We can't exchange here and now for what's going to come later. Man, it's a bad deal. Don't take it. And some of you may be thinking, but I don't think I have an inheritance or a birthright. Here's the deal. Yes, you do. There's an inheritance for you and a birthright kept in heaven. This is what 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 tells us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. There's a birthright waiting for us. But the birthright just doesn't sit there regardless of what we do. We can lose the birthright. How, how can we lose it? There's a couple of options. We can transfer it or we can give it away. No one can come and take away your birthright. And so this is, I'm going to go on a little rant on a song that I've always gone on a rant for. Listen, Satan cannot take away your birthright. The song, it's an old song. Some of you may have heard it. It's, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Guess what? The enemy can't steal nothing from you. That song is wrong. The only thing that can happen is when we give up our birthright by voluntarily handing it over to him. Even Adam and Eve, they gave up their birthright. Satan came and tempted them, yes, but they were the ones who literally took it and handed it over to him. We can't hand over our birthright, and Christians everywhere give up or transfer their birthright for a bowl of bean stew. We give up our birthright for things that aren't worth it. I mean, listen, part of our birthright is peace. Satan will come after us and offer us all kinds of things in exchange for our peace, and too many times we will go after those things that he is offering. He gives us joy as a part of our inheritance, but we will give up our joy 
Bitterness is one of the things that so many believers hold on to in their lives and they allow it to steal their joy. But there's a birthright out there that we can claim as long as we get away from the grumbling and complaining. They are this or that church is that. Grumble and complain, complain and grumble. Don't trade your inheritance so that you can grumble and complain. Another thing we've been given is a testimony is our birthright. But we trade off our testimony all the time. Anger is one of the things that so many believers are willing to trade their, their, their testimony for, for. Man, we can't do that. We cannot trade the testimony that we have so that we can have the immediate, the here and now. So what if they said something about you? So what if it seems like a really bad slam? You know what? That slam isn't going to, two years from now, nobody's going to care that they slammed you or said something about you. These things are a big deal. I mean, listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15 through 17. And listen to, it, to what it says about Esau here. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grow, grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. See, Esau is offered as an example of what it means to be godless in this text because he gave up his birthright and there was no way for him, him to get it back. It literally says there that he begged for his birthright. He sought it with tears but could not change what he had done. I mean, think about this. Right now, instead of talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if he had not given up his birthright, we could be talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. That's how big of a difference this makes. Jacob was hungry for a birthright. Esau was hungry for beans. And he lost it all with his one bad decision to go after that appetite that he had in his life. And you may be saying to yourself, well, that's pretty intense. Is there any hope? Yes, there is hope because there's another story about a son in the book of Luke chapter 15. And many are familiar uh, with this son, even if we've not really been part of a church. It's the story of the prodigal son. And this is what it says um, in Luke 15, 11 through 24. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomachs with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went, after, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. 
The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Both of these sons ended up in the same place, eating beans instead of their inheritance. But the more interesting question is, why did one son get his inheritance back while the other lost it all? And it's because of this. There was another firstborn son, and his name was Jesus. See, Jesus was the firstborn son that did not take the bowl of beans or eat the stew. He didn't sell his birthright. And as we discussed earlier, a birthright can be transferred. And so what that means is if you're sitting here in this room this morning and you're saying to yourself, man, I feel like I have transferred my birthright over. I have given up my birthright because I've been feasting in this bowl of stew for so long and it's left me so unhappy and so unsatisfied. You know what? Jesus can transfer that birthright back to you. See, you can still be called a son and gain your inheritance through Jesus. He can forgive you, he can wash you, and he can restore what you had given away. And some of us need to hear that today. Because I believe there's some that's been selfishly chasing after their appetites. They've been selfishly going after bowls of stew that have left them hungry, that have left them wanting more, and it's never left them satisfied. And you're saying to yourself, What can I do? I need something that's going to bring that satisfaction that I'm looking for. Well, that's what the inheritance is there for. And all you have to do is reach out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want my birthright back as your son or as your daughter. He's going to restore that birthright to you. And allow you to be satisfied and fulfilled in that inheritance that he gives. And so this morning, in closing, I want to open the front of the room again for a few minutes. I want to ask if our prayer team could be ready to come and pray for anyone who may come forward. But if that's you this morning, if you're here and you're saying, you know what? I have given up my birthright. I've exchanged my inheritance for this bowl of stew and this bowl of stew has left me empty. This bowl of stew. I got up from the table thinking that this was going to make me full and satisfied and complete and it's left me in the spot I was in before. I want to challenge you to come to the front and allow one of our prayer team members to come up behind you and pray for you. They'll pray to help restore that inheritance and that birthright into your life and and, and pray for you to be able to receive that fullness of the inheritance to allow yourself to be satisfied in it. And so if that's you this morning, we're just going to take a few minutes. If you could come to the front, you can kneel down, you can stand, you can sit. But we just want to take a few minutes in God's presence and allow Jesus to do his work in those who have given into this 
image, but their appetites must come first. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church Podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.